Okay, great. I don't doubt. It's another thing about healing. Sometimes it's a big thing with people at the altar weeping and God laying hands and people will experience a Holy Spirit sensitivity to their bodies and they're healed. Other times it's in the middle of the night by yourself. You never know. You can't put God in a box for sure. That's wonderful, Dale. Um, I um, Two weeks ago I shared about, first of all, last week I really appreciated Pat Bray. Where are you, Pat? There you go. With one, we put 1,000 to flight. With two, 10,000. After Pat's message again, anybody that has any inadequacies, who, raise your hand if you think you've got any. They are not qualified. They do not qualify you to disqualify yourself. If you can't talk, if you're not smart enough, if you're not this, you're not that. It's actually that God takes our shortcomings to demonstrate his power. He uses in weakness... We are made strong. Paul said, I'll boast of my weakness. So I really appreciated that, Pat, because that's a life lesson always, that it's in our weakness that we're made strong. And it's in our ability, our, you know, man's extremity is God's opportunity. It's when we come to that place and, and live in it, realizing that uh, he's got it all under control. Well, two weeks ago, I shared about the, the feeding of the 5,000, and then I... It, it's just one page later, it's the feeding of the 4,000. And uh, I left you with three thoughts. One was give what you have. So all they had was a few fish and five loaves. But it wasn't them that multiplied it, it was God. So whatever you have, you don't have much. And we're not talking strictly money here. And we're not talk, talking strictly food, although it may be food, it may be money. But we're talking about that when you don't have much and you give it, it's amazing what God will multiply in the situation, far beyond anything we could do in the natural. So the 5,000 were fed with five loaves and two fishes. Someone said in the book of John, he talks about it and Everybody talks about the, there's only five loaves and two fishes, but to that little boy, that was his whole lunch. You know, it was his, it was his fish. He said, there's a little boy here that has five loaves and two fishes. He gave up everything and how God multiplies. Now, when I look up at you today, if you'd please smile, it'll make me feel good. <laughs> Just like you're getting it. Um, and then the last part was about forgetting the bread. And I want to go to uh, Matthew uh, 16, 5. And after Jesus had done so many, he'd done all these miracles in between. He had been on the mountain and prayed and healing had taken place. And then the Pharisees came to him looking for a sign. And he said, you're always looking for a sign. And he talked about the weather. And they, they were complaining about that the, his followers were using dirty cups because you're supposed to wash the cups just right and bless them, be kosher, so to speak. And they were defiling that. And then Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not what's on the outside of the cup. that You're, you're, out, you're, work, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. It's out of the abundance of the heart that a mouth speaks. And out of the heart comes lying and 
perjury and fornications and adulteries and all kinds of filthy sins. They come out of the inward part, not on the outward part. So today I want to talk about a little bit about inward and outward. And I would imagine that there's nobody here in this room that thinks they're a Pharisee. Pharisees are, you, how many of you think you can identify a Pharisee? A lot of you could. Uh, because we identify, how many can identify pride in someone? How many can identify it in themselves? Mmm, a little more difficult. It's very easy to spot pride in someone else. But when we're proud, no, we're, I'm just speaking up. I'm just being myself. It's, you know, that kind of deal. So we need to look at these things and ask the Lord to help us. So he says in 16.5, And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, and they had forgotten to bring any bread. Okay. Um, another, when I get to um, Mark, it says they had one loaf. And, okay, so they had... 12 baskets full, seven baskets full. They had seen the most amazing multiplication. And then they got with Jesus in the boat and they said, we don't have any bread. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to get through this? You, do you remember when God blessed you back then and took care? Yeah, I know that. But this is today. How are we going to eat today? Any deep lesson in your life spiritually is to be really loved and appreciated in terms of his provision, in terms of what he does for you. But they said, and Jesus said to him, watch out and beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, now for those of you that aren't getting it this morning, this is what the disciples said. They began to discuss this among themselves. He said that because we did not bring any bread and Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it you do not understand that I do not, did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware... Again, he says, it, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say this because of the leaven of the bread, but because of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware. It's a hedge about with thorns to build a protection, to guard, to protect, to be circumspect, to not be dull, to take heed. In Deuteronomy, beware that you don't forget the Lord your God. Be careful lest you forget all the good things he has done for you. One of the greatest maladies of human nature is our ability to be forgetful and forget when God brought you through the valley of the shadow of darkness and to forget when you and I were desperate at different junctures, or at least we were, we were aware of our desperate place that God was there, faithful and true. If you and I forget the good things that God has done for you, you'll end up bitter. Sorry to say it. You'll be a bitter Christian. Not better, bitter. And 
it's incumbent on us. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, what will I render to the Lord for all his benefits? It's important that I enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and I enter his courts with praise. I'll say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And it's just, it's a real challenge. With so, many, so much noise coming at so many of us in different directions to stop and to remember. But he warns us. He also says in Matthew, um, he says, um, beware of practicing your righteousness before men. There's a big temptation in Christianity and all religions really, but Christianity as a religion as opposed to a relationship can become a performance. And some of you were probably raised in churches that were very much how you looked and what you did was how you got graded. If you played ball a certain way, you were then in. If you played ball another way, you were out, which leads to performance because everybody wants acceptance. But what happens is we start performing, and, but there's not something going on internally towards God or not the proper balance. And he says uh, in Matthew again, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. There are ravenous wolves out there that speak and do things in the name of the Lord. We just need to be aware. There always has been in all of history. There always will be. Paul warned the disciples in Ephesus. He said, false prophets will come up among you. Now, hear me on this so you don't flip out because a lot of people... You know, everybody becomes an expert on who's a prophet and who's not this. Just, just understand that we're to beware. We're to be aware and beware as, and be circumspect as we go about our business. He says um, in Colossians, he, he were, we're told, see to it that no one takes you captive or no one kids you through, uh, kidnaps you through philosophy and empty deception and the rudimentary elements of this world. We need to be responsible. And he says, beware of the Pharisees. They're fake. They're self-righteous. They're proud. They're legalistic. They're condescending. They're hypocrites. They're religious. They're presumptuous. They're arrogant. They love recognition more than the recognition of God. They're full of leaven, puffed up. Position, status, and recognition is their motivation for life. And we, I mean, I know that sounds really harsh. If you want me to really be harsh, I'll I'll read chapter, uh, I'll read Luke 11 to you where Jesus is talking. He's calling them whitewashed sepulchers, the Pharisees. Sepulcher is a gravestone. He said you, you, he said you basically, you strain at a gnat, you swallow a camel, you go, and Jesus is Jesus, and you go, he's talking to them. You go around the whole world to make one son of hell as much as yourself, one proselyte. And, and Jesus is very tough on that because Jesus was never about your performance. In fact, he's not about your achievement. He's about your heart. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. Um, bring up that, uh, Sam, bring up that slide, will you? I'm getting really high tech today. Wow, that was good. All right. Who can pronounce that word on the left? Anybody? 
Antinomianism. Okay. In the Greek, the word nomo, nomen is about law. So anti, it's anti-law is what it means. And the other stuff, other side is legalism. So you have these two sides of what Christians fall into. Let's start with legalism. Legalism is performance driven. It leads to spiritual pride because you, you know more, you pray more, you think you do than other people. You, uh, legalism, it, since it's about performance and everybody comes short of the glory of God, it, it, it ends up drying up compassion because people aren't measuring up to your standard. A standard that you yourself don't have to measure up to. But other people do. That's legalism. Uh, and when you're a legalist, you're never good enough. You never get there. That's not, you just, uh, it's Jesus and. Well, that's good, but there's more. Um, you've heard me say the black bumper church. That's an old saying about when, people, when cars first came out, some of the more legalistic churches would paint those silver bumpers black because the silver was so worldly. You don't want to be worldly. Or you wouldn't wear a real bold tie to church because it's worldly. And you don't want musical instruments in the church because it's too fleshy. Even though it's, but then I go, wait a minute. It's all through the book of Psalms. I mean, read Psalm 150 and it sounds like we could have everything under the sun in there worshiping and making noise and celebrating to the Lord. A legalist talks of grace but has little or none. In other words, a legalist will have grace for themselves also, but when they see you fall short, they don't have much ability to be forgiving. Um, they are also um, externally focused. How you look and how you perform, what you do. Um, legalists also tend to be gossips. Gossip is a person like, it says, like dainty morsels that go down into the innermost heart of a being. So um, a gossip could see someone with a woman that's not his wife somewhere, and they were laughing, and he, he gave the person a blessing or a hug and walked away. But a legalist could see that and said, guess what I saw today? And this happens all the time in the church world. I'm not, I'm not coming from a place of speaking to anybody in here to try to say that is immediately what we're dealing with. But I want us to be able to grapple with the issues to understand the difference so that you can walk in something I'm going to show you in a minute. And the heart issues are lacking when you're a legalist. It's all about getting it right. Okay, now let's go the other way. I always, this is my joke with uh, RJ. Where are you, RJ? Getting a lot of attention. So when I met RJ, he's a really good guy, but he'd come from a church where there was a lot of, um, you know, hey, bro, what's up? What's happening? And, you know, I say, hey, bro, you know, you know, and so we talked, and so I, I said, RJ, please, I don't want to have any of that bro Christianity. I can't stand it because it's so fake and it's not you. The real you is who we got now. 
Can we give him a hand? We got the real RJ. He's still a work in progress, but, but, but you, people, people conform to a type of external Christianese and whatever. And so then what you get is this person. I'm against organized religion. I'm totally, I'm spiritual. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I'm never going to church. So now we've got someone who's against the law. They're antinomian. They say, I'm free. They don't need what you're doing this morning. They don't need the church. They got Jesus. It's just Jesus and I. They do as I please. They, they, if they didn't want to come today, they don't have to come. Nobody tells me what to do. God loves me as I am. God loves me as I am. Therefore, I don't need you. I'm not under the law. I'm free. I was saved by grace through faith and not of works. I don't need to do this. And then um, and I don't have to be accountable. God knows my phone number. <laughs> if you, how many have met someone like that? Nobody? Okay, thank you in the back. That either means we're doing a really good job here or a really bad job, if you've never met anybody like that. Uh, and they're independent. They're really not committed to you. They're passing through. They won't be there when you're in battle. They're not going to be committed to you or your family or other people because it is this, it's this, hey, man, God loves us, whatever, you know? It's beautiful. I mean, God's beautiful, man. I just, I love God. I mean, God, God is so awesome. He's, he's, he's like God, man. He's really, he's awesome. And it's a reverse preachy. If a legalist can grind your vows and make you feel really guilty and tell you you're, you're all about your sins and drive you into the ground to the point where you, <laughs> and then you go to the other end and you got this reverse preachy telling you you don't need anything like that. So now, is there anything in between? May I have my two experimental students to come up, please? Patrick Bray and Tony Teresa, would you please come up? All right. Most of you probably don't know this about me, but I took guitar lessons. <laughs> and the high point of my lessons was the C chord. So that's the only thing I could ever do. So, Pat, you got it ready to go? All right. All right, close your eyes, close your eyes. Close your eyes and hit a C chord. Okay, wow, was that pretty. All right, now do it without, take one finger off, do it. That was pretty too. Now do what we did before. Okay, so. Okay, that's a C chord. All right, now do it. I want it to go south. Okay, you got ready? He's totally ruined the experiment. <laughs> He cannot play a bad note. <laughs> Tony, give me a bad note. That sounded pretty good too, didn't it? <laughs> they can't. All right. All right. Here's for, for illustration purposes. Give me a C chord that doesn't sound good. How do you do that? 
little down? Can you do worse? Worse? Okay, oh, that's it. Play that, play that. Okay, now you hear that? That's an antinomian C chord. That's a legalistic. Okay, so right here, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free, but be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. I have been set free, but I'm not allowed to be an alcoholic. I have been set free, but I'm not allowed to lie to you or cheat or steal. And it's not like it's all covered under grace. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Those are, that's the law. That is the law. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he said, and he, he talks about out of your heart comes all these things. And so he's after our heart. There's more accountability to him because it's a relational dynamic than there was to Moses and the law. You getting it? All right, now, we're right in the middle of it with that arrow and play that beautiful C chord. That's how we walk. If you take one of the fingers off or the fret, you get a, an skewed sound. And Christians end up being antinomian, meaning they're, they're not going to let anybody, they're all the way out on one end of the spectrum. And then you have the other that, um, as I've said before, I, had a, I was counseling a person back in my Georgia days. And the South tends to be more conservative in a lot of ways. But I was trying to help a young man, and he was trying to help his father, who was involved in an affair. His father was having, who was a Christian, he was Baptist, full-blown Christian, and I think he was a deacon, but he was having an affair. The son knew about it, tried to talk to him, but during that time, the father that was having the affair would not go into a pizza hut because they served beer. You're looking at me really funny. You get it? Because that's alcohol, that's bad, that's a sin, that's not on, it's not, on this side of the legalism, it's not there. You're not even allowed to have a sip. But I don't know where he missed the adultery part. But see, legalism means that you actually, that's why he, he talks a lot about, you're, you don't like this in other people, but what are you doing? What are we doing? And we are all vulnerable to either one of these. There are tons, tons of people that have walked down the aisle and confessed their sins that are living over here. They're down at the beach today. Right, Johnny? No, not you. You're not going today. <laughs> but they're, 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 in other words, there's no sense of responsibility to anything other than they, they got quote-unquote saved. But one thing you, to remember is that sometimes when you go someplace in God, you say, I don't want to go. I don't get anything out of it. And then the, the ultimate question for us is, what do we put into it? Because it's not just for you to receive today. You're to give. You may have a word or a kindness or a thought to someone that just came on the spur of the moment that actually makes a huge difference in their life. So it's not just like this way, it's this way. But if it is just this way, what do I get out of it? Then you and I have become consumers. If this doesn't meet what I want, but, it's, but if, it, if it goes the other way, 
What am I putting into it? What did I do today? Lord, use me today at church. I don't know how. I'll try to grab a, I'll try to be nice in the donut room. I don't know what it is, but you'll do something, but not just at church, but in life. Pharisees want recognition even if they don't look like they want it. I want you to go over one more to realize um, this thing about leaven, and it's Mark uh, 8, 14. Okay, so remember this about leaven. Leaven inflates, leaven boasts, leaven puffs up yeast. It's used in bread. It's used in this bread here this morning. Uh, and when we get puffed up, we, we can become proud of our accomplishments, our wealth, our, our education, our genealogy, or uh, all those things. It's one thing to be grateful for all that. It's another to be proud. And leaven corrupts. A little bit of leaven will corrupt the whole thing. And I talked about this before, that how someone, um, when a person catapults into deep sin, it didn't happen like all of a sudden they just boom. It was a little leaven. They made a compromise here, and they made a compromise there, and they made another compromise until all of a sudden these little compromises has its own current running through your life, and it seems overwhelming. Leaven will corrupt. And he tells us to beware of anything that puffs us up that way. There's no such thing as white lies. How many have ever told a white lie? What is a white lie? It's a lie that doesn't hurt you. I mean, I, this is where I am kind of a legalist. I don't even like if there's a surprise party. I don't want to make up a lie about the party to make the party more successful. I just don't like, I don't even like going there. But I, I, I just feel like we have to watch what we're saying if we're telling the truth. Little lies that don't matter. You know, little lies turn into a bunch of little lies, which turn into maybe a bigger lie. And one day someone says, you're a liar. And you confront them and say, I am not, which was a lie, because I've been lying. <laughs> These are just a Pharisee is religious, but there's no life. A Pharisee is easily offended, concerned about outward appearance, a person who trusts in their own righteousness. The first to plead his case seems just till another comes to examine. So often we get into conflict, and our case, we're right from our perspective. I've been there, but we have to be able to look both sides. There's something to learn. Pharisees legalistic. I have this definition. Legalism exists when people attempt to secure righteousness in God's sight by good works. Legalists believe that they can earn or merit God's approval by performing the requirements of the law. A legalist believes that their good works and obedience to God affects their salvation. Legalism focuses on God's law more than a relationship with God. It keeps external laws without a truly submitted heart. And legalism adds human rules 
to divine laws and treats them as divine. All right, Matthew, eight four, Mark 8.14, could you bring that up? Okay, and he came out and began uh, to argue with him, seeking, uh, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Uh, sighing deeply in his spirit, he said to them, why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation except, uh, uh, for, for a sign. Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread. This is the Mark story. And did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out. Beware. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Well, this is different. Herod? How are the Pharisees and Herod tied together? Herod was this corrupt king who, uh, you know, he was kind of like, I don't want to use any modern day illustrations. I don't want to sound political at all in this. I'll just say that Herod represents secular life. Beware of the leaven of secularity. Secular is separate from God. And so like in our country, we have separation of church and state. It was never designed to be secular church and state, but separation so that the church was the church and the state was was to be involved in civil matters. The state was not to prevent the free exercise of the church. And the church was not to encroach on the responsibilities of civil government. And that was the wisdom uh, of the fathers. But now, beware of the leaven. So the question I'm posing here is, where do you get your truth? I meet many Christians who who I don't, I mean, what they believe and what they are backing, I can't find anything in here. And I'm not going to go through a litany of specifics, but I will say that Herod does not determine what I believe. And, um, and so, like, let's say Herod decides that pot is legal. Oh, boy, we can smoke all the pot we want now without going to jail. Let's say Herod also said abortion is legal. Oh, boy, we can kill all the babies. He's got a different view. Herod has a different view of what life is. Now, what happens to Christians is they react to that some, and then they become this legalist or become, you know, anti-everything instead of being salt and light. I wish Pat was still here because I'd like to hit a C chord again. We want to be... We want to be in between the two. So I see, and you see, what's going on in, in our culture. And we're not to hate them. We're supposed to be the salt and the light. And so it's a great challenge. And I don't know why you were made for this generation, but according to the scripture, you were made for this generation. Today, was, you were supposed to be born today, not in 1850, not in the good old days uh, in 19. Uh, 68 when they were throwing feces on the Pentagon and 200,000 kids were marching and all the 
academic offices in the United States at Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were being stormed by students, and Martin Luther King was being assassinated, and Bobby uh, Kennedy was being assassinated, and it was drug, sex, rock and roll, and free love, and all this stuff was going on. That was the good old days. <laughs> this is our time, our time, and it's, a, it's our time to be, to be the salt. Don't have, don't, secular, Herod has a pulpit. He's preaching every day to our children and to us. You can do it through media. You can do it through print. You can do it through the internet. I'm not saying we should be the black bumper church and you pull away. No, I'm saying get into the fray, but beware. Beware of what's going on out there. Be, understand. And, and uh, in, in, in uh, Peter, he says, um, the enemy goes about as a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he can devour. Methods change and become antiquated. The way we do church here and the way church was done 100 years ago is probably different. The way we did church 100 years ago and the way they did church 500 years before that was probably different. But I'm going to tell you, 500 years ago, murder was wrong. 1,500 years ago, adultery was wrong. 3,000 years ago, lying was wrong. So don't confuse methods or being hip with current things. This is, we're different now because we got, there's nothing new under the sun, according to Solomon. Methods change and become antiquated, but truth is the same at all times, in all places. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So why am I saying all this this morning? Why am I, why am I focused on this? Um, I'm concerned um, that we can be taken captive. See to it that no one takes you captive by vain philosophy and empty deception, and the rudimentary elements of this world. And so in order to, to be loving and to stand on the word, which is thy word is truth, sanctify me in truth, it takes real conviction. And we need to know what we believe. And, and if we do find ourselves in the arena of ideas with people, um, my hope and prayer is that we will be full of grace and truth the way we, the way we handle ourselves and um, what we do. Are we there? So here we go. So we're going to have communion. And uh, communion at the table, it is a type of judgment um, where you, when, you're, when you're water baptized, you were judged by identification with Christ in the water. Once and for all, you went down, were buried, and came up in resurrection power. That is a one-in-a-lifetime event. But every month when we do this and other times when we have communion, we do it in remembrance of him proclaiming his life, which is our his death, which is our life. And so the table is a type of judgment where we, we're not, 
condemnation, but you're right, Lord, I need to help me with this or wash me and cleanse me, Lord, as I come to the table. If we come to church, um, I believe the Holy Spirit's here and I believe that God is speaking to different ones of you. So when we break bread this morning, I pray that God will speak to each one of us in a way that counts. C.S. Lewis said this, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea. How many like that idea of forgiveness? Until they have something to forgive. C.S. Lewis says, if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it's like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. If you've screwed up, which probably have, if you've messed up, and, but you've repented of that, but you're still taking the condemnation of it, you're way off. You're a million miles off. He paid the price for that. And you can't, if you go around like, I just am not worthy because I don't, uh, I can't forgive myself, you're basically saying your perception and your, your evaluation is more important than God's. And that puts you on the throne, not him. So this morning, let's, as we come to break bread, forgive yourself. If you've asked God to forgive you, and he said, thank you, Lord, forgive me, but you walk around and we live as if we're not forgiven, then you're still holding on to something that, in principle, you gave to God. Would the musicians come on back up, please? My C quarters. That's a perfect illustration of how an illustration is not supposed to work. <laughs> and by the way, this morning I got up, took a shower, got dressed. I like to spend about an hour before I come to church downstairs. Uh, I don't even talk to Dudley. And I go over my notes and I pray just like all of you did before church. I know you did. Um, and so this morning I did that. I get sit down. I got my coffee, and I'm ready. I don't have my notes. I forgot my notes like I forgot my bread. You know what I'm saying? What am I going to do without my notes? What am I going to have to say? And uh, so I did. I dashed out early. But I feel like one of the disciples sometimes... Um, you know, they just didn't get it. And I'm actually, to tell you the truth, someone that's deeper than me, I want you to think about this for me. Read those verses, and he says, you do, do you understand now? And if you really understand it, please come and tell me, because I'm still trying to understand. You don't get it yet? And they all looked at each other. He, they get that the teaching of the Pharisees. He's warning them not, not to give their life to legalism, teaching and hypocrisies. He's warning them not to give themselves to the world and what the world shapes as tolerance and all the different things that are coming out of this culture that's supposed to be better than what the word of God has provided for. So he's, he's warning us, don't, don't, don't have any of that leaven. But he also is saying, be in the world, but not of it. So we're to be of a different stripe, but not legalistic, not... not uh, um, blowing people out of the water with scripture and acting holier than thou. 
but to really to love and to have compassion. 